goal chance for Conor McGrath Bernie to surely give it in Conor what a goal <laughs> Mackey heading it towards the 21 metre line Kim Mackey still going Go on, your goal is up for Cats oh, oh, what, what a goal I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now anywhere in the world it's time to take Sam to throne if you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly, but will stick in your mind that the champions who showed class. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. Been a small change before the game, worth the street. <laughs> been a look, Donovan Connor. Wild effort on goal. It's on the first Equalizer. Tony Keady to take the 65 and to open the scoring. Directed towards Mark Foley and Tony Keady. Who's going to win that battle? Tony Keady says it's going to be me this afternoon. Great solo run, good jink. And a lovely score. It's a one-point game. Just a few moments from the stellar career of Tony Keady, who sadly has passed away. This is Off The Ball's GAA podcast. I'm Oshin Langan. With me is Shane Stapleton. Uh, Shane, a sad day for Galway, a sad day for Hurling and most importantly, a sad day for the Keady family who've lost their husband and dad. Yeah, it's absolutely terrible. Growing up, I think, uh, you know, as a Tipperary person, Galway were one of the teams that I didn't like at the time because they, they took Tipperary's scalp a few times. But Tony Keady, what a prince of a centre-back he was. And, you know, they've been crying out for someone like him for years. I mean, Grode McInerney's doing pretty well this season. But, yeah, it's such a sad loss. And the way it happened so suddenly for such a young man, 53 years of age, I think turning 54 soon. So, yeah, it's really terrible because, I mean, I even remember seeing him on Lake Regala a few years ago and he's a sort of magnetic character and, yeah, massive loss, massive loss. It's a bit like in football terms when Paddy O'Shea was taken, uh, you know, at the height of his powers, I suppose, great character and, you know, it's just a, such a shame that Tony Keady's gone. Yeah, only 53. We'll talk more about Tony Keady very shortly. We'll also feature Cork against Waterford today. They're meeting in the semi-final on Sunday. Former Dacia forward Owen Kelly will join us to discuss that. And we'll have more on the football championship because it's just not good, is it? Four absolute wipeouts in the quarterfinals. It's it's not ideal. Yeah, absolute stinkers. Uh, Roscommon Mayo, the drawing game, was the only one that saved it. But when they, what they dished up to us the second time was... Yeah, kind of wiped out any good memory. It was like the stick from Men in Black wiping your memory of anything good. Uh, Okay, Off The Ball's GA podcast, all of that to come. As always, we're here with Board Gosh Energy, proud sponsors of the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship. Follow hashtag hurling to the core. It is Tony Keady we start with and his former teammate and friend Anthony Cunningham joins us on the line. Anthony, it's a, it's a very sad day, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose I want to start with his wife, Margaret, and his adorable kids, really, and extend my personal sympathies and myself, my wife, and my family, and all we can do is and be with you but from the hurling community right across the country our condolences really um, it's a shocking tragedy really from a, the highs of last Sunday which which Tony was part of and uh, Tony wish that you know Tony will be remembered really as a brilliant hurler but from for me also he, he was a brilliant family man and um, his kids adore hurling and they're adorable kids twins and his daughter Shannon going to you know had been part of a county of the 16 Camogie team that's in the Ireland finals there the weekend so yeah to, 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 to Margaret and the kids you know you know we just what can you say it's just too early really to, to have lost Tony but we just remember him as the man he was you know Anthony Shane and I were discussing it before we 
went to air with this that while we knew of Tony Keady, we saw him on the pitch, we knew what he was like as a player, we knew what he was like um, on the pitch, that you know he was an iconic figure on the pitch, he was a, a, a leader, a, a, a fantastic player. Obviously, we didn't know him as a man, and you, you did, you knew that side of him. What was he like? Well, he was always, the one thing you'd have to say about Tony, he was always in good form. And he's always chipping away with a joke or, you know, having a laugh. And uh, tremendously, you know, in, 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 since he, in latter years since he got married, I would have to say that he was a brilliant family man. And, you know, even the last 10 years there when we'd be training and be in Athen you know, from, from the summer evenings on, even in May and June and July, when training would be open and people could come and go, Tony bring over the kids there to, to, to see county training and the jerseys on and he was you go up to Tony he was so proud that you'd, you'd have a few minutes and that he, you'd acknowledge how good his kids were at Hurland they'd be poking away there in, in Athenry and he just adored his wife and his family and um, you know that, they were the latter years from, from, from Tony and you know when Tony was young um, yeah, I played minor with Tony. I got to know Tony. I was on a team with him when I was sixteen. He was he was um, we played in an All Ireland minor final in eighty one, um, and had known him through through colleges and vocational schools that he'd represented. But his his club, Climber Daly, and his county, you know, the years coming up to that. So I know him a long, long time, and you know, just his his spirit really that he'd have, and his his humour. Great man to sing a song. It would be, you know, get 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 Tony going in the bus, or you know, whatever. We'd be having a sing song, and and we'd be out and enjoying life. Um, just a great character, great stories, and always, always in good form. Mm, and Cyril Farrell would have talked about how, you know, that basically he'd show up to Croke Park to play in a big game like an All Ireland final, and and Tony would almost think that they're they're all there to watch him. He just he just seemed like a great character, really magnetic himself. And Brendan Linsky were seemed to be two peas in a pod from what he we hear as well. Yeah, I suppose that time both Brendan and Tony worked in Dublin, and uh, you know there'd be there'd be great stories coming from Dublin. D- Tony, we were, we were probably young and innocent, even though he was an, uh, only a year or two older than us. But uh, he'd keep everybody enthralled of what's happening in Dublin, and maybe an odd night out that they'd have. You know, great man to tell a story, and he's he would always time his hurling uh, to be at a peak in in August and and the first one in September, and he had fantastic skill. Was tremendous under the high ball. I was asked there last week, um, what's the most pivotal position in hurling? And coming up to the the tip, uh, Galway, of which we had a, a great, great rivalry with him, it looked no further than, than Tony Keady at centre back. And his ability to strike, his ability under the ball, his reading of the game, and his touch. Uh, but Tony would believe that he was going to be. You know, in, in, in May, June, July, getting getting ready for a championship final, Tony be telling you, I'm gonna be man of the match and I'm going to I'm gonna I'm gonna win this field, lads and you know, just just do a bit of hurling there, lads, with me and, and we'll be all right, you know. That would be the that would be the you know, the, the, the crack that Tony be having. But he behind it all he was so dedicated and his belief under pressure really in, in situations like that was second to none. Yeah, well, and the thing, another story I heard about him from a Galway man is that when he was, I think he won an All Ireland under twenty one in nineteen eighty three, and uh, possibly just before that, he he'd been playing in the forwards. And the story that I heard about him is that he said he'd rather be a sub in the backs than than be starting in the forward line. Do Do you remember his transformation then into becoming the premier centre back in the country? 
Yeah, it's just, as, as I said, in 1981, in the minor final in 81, uh, Tony was at centre-forward and had played at all his colleges and his vocational hurling right through at, at centre-forward. And, um, yeah, this was shortly after that. Yeah, we, We'd slag him and say he was a bit slow over the forwards as well. Like, we'd have that crack going on as well. So then he'd say, should I score more from centre-back than, than you showed up there? You know, so that, that, that would be the type of banter that would be going on continuously with Tony. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he'd, he'd say, sure, you know, I've scored more than, than, than any up there. And this this type of stuff was going on all the time. But he's he was so driven uh, and so, you know, confident in his own ability, but wasn't in any way out of out of kilter or out of step with anybody, you know. Um, and, you know, that, that transformation to, to centre-back um, was the making, the, the, the fantastic half-back line with, with, with Pete Finerty and, and, and Jerry Mack beside him um, really was... They started there in, in 1985 with three young cubs, really. Um, that was the first year, and Sergeant Farrell popped the trees in there, and he had no he had no inhibitions about doing that. And, uh, you know, led by Tony, uh, didn't you know, it most definitely rose to, to the challenge, and that transformation happened seamlessly um, with, with Tony. I saw a tweet from John Fogarty of the Irish Examiner today. He said, uh, Tony Keady to John Divley back in the former's playing days. John, you are the latest but I am the greatest. It's a great yeah, line. Uh, yeah, 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 was, yeah uh, absolutely. And I suppose it's a bit it's poignant in some way in that then you know, the Keady affair was thought about last week and we were all asked about the rivalry that was there and chatted Tony several times about it and uh, he was so, so disappointed he didn't get to play in 89 and, um, you know, it was, it was and I mean, I spoke to Ken Hogan there last week and, and, and a number of others that said we, we probably always looked at it as you know, something stopped us winning three in a row and, you know, if we had Keady, we'd have won it and, you know, he, he fully believed that. But, yeah, I mean, in recent years, he's been involved with the county under 21 team, put a huge amount of work into the, his own club and also into Ordmore, uh, where he's now, where he's lived. And the yeah, last, he kind of transformed them, well, maybe not him individually, but I'm sure he was a big part of it. They, they are now a real hurling force, aren't they? And they never really were before. Yeah, and it's it's has been a real growth population around Ordmore, huge amount of houses. And Tony has been settled there for many years now, and he's he's also the caretaker there in a very very important role in the secondary school. And Tony would have helped uh, out um, the school there with with a huge amount of hurling uh, and coached um, a team that got to an All Ireland semi final in the B competition there just a number of years ago. So he was head, neck and heels in it. Um, he was always involved with a club or two in the Galway Championships. Um, and he was with Johnny Kelly there uh, for a number of years um, in the under-21 uh, setup. So, you know, coupled with that, he would have managed and trained his own young fellas as well and the young teams coming through in Ordmore. So he'll be a huge loss as well to the, the Holland development in, in Ordmore. Yeah, and even the timing of it too. Actually, first of all, with the Oran Moore, I suppose he possibly would have passed on some tips to Garode McInerney, who's who's a club man there, who seems to have really stepped up to the role. But just even the week that it happened that, you know, Galway haven't won in All-Ireland since he was centre-back on the team. And all of a sudden, it looks like this could be Galway's year. It, look, it looks strongly that way. And I believe he was at the match the other day, seemed to be in great form. And it's just, it's, it's so sudden. And just even the week that it have to happen, it's just, it just... It just seems so out of place. Yeah, absolutely. And Tony, not alone would he be at the, would, would he be at the match, but he'd also be at the training sessions. You know, he's just lived 
and the biggest thing there was promoting the hurling to his own kids and saying, you know, I'd be saying to you, what do you think of Anthony? What do you think of the boys there? They're great. What do you think of Shannon? She's a great camogie player. And she, he just he just was, he was a big child as well. And that he was, you know, had a great time for kids and a great time for supporters. And always had a word. And there was there was no barrier to get to chat Tony Keady. He was exemplary. Yeah. And, you know, that's the biggest memory I'll have is the most recent years where, you know, he you know, he would be out enjoying himself with his family. Um it's 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 hard to, to you know, to get around the fact that he's no longer with us. Um, yeah. you know. I I'm reminded of a quote that at times like this sport doesn't matter, but at the same time it's kind of important. Um it would be a nice tribute, I think, to Tony if Galway were to win Liam this year. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, there's 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 always going to be pressure on to win it. There's, there's also 15 others facing you up on the first Sunday of September, whether it's Waterford now or or Cork. But God, we're in it. You know, the, the driving will will have an extra added driving force um, to you know to to emulate the feat of Tony almost 30 years ago. Um, that's for sure. Um, there've been some wonderful stories about Tony <laughs> over the years and. His exploits, and it was funny last week. I I was just recalling, uh, you know, some of some of the funny stories he'd have. He 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 uh, didn't get to train in one even. I think after the semi final win, and uh, uh, sort of Farrell was maybe a bit annoyed, or, you know, that he'd you know promised to be back from Dublin or whatever. But he he told he was telling us all that he he was bringing home turf as they do in his home with his dad and his mom from in the Climadale area. You know, somewhere would be bringing home turf. And he, he told us all that he fell off the trailer of turf because no one <laughs> believed him. And we were saying, you're, you're some man to go telling that story to Barry. But, uh, <laughs> the, the, the famous trailer was never found anyway. <laughs> Anthony, it's been a pleasure talking to you, um, remembering your friend Tony Keady. It's a, it's a sad day for Hurling. It's a sad day for Galway. It's a sad day, especially for the Keady family, as we said at the start of this Um but uh, he, he, he was an iconic figure in the GA and will continue to be in, in many ways he's immortal because of the reputation he built up over the years and because of the, the things he did on and off the field. So thank you very much for spe- speaking to us, Anthony. Thanks, Kate. I think he kind of nicely summed up Tony Keady there, the, the hard man on the pitch, the skillful hurler, but also a guy with a real sense of humour. Ah, that's what you want. You need people in the dressing room who are going to keep the crack flowing. And, you know, from based on the Laker Gale show that he did a few years ago and everything you'd hear about him, it just sounds like a great hurler on the field, keep you entertained in the dressing room. And that's what you want because that's enjoyment. You know, that's living out on the field and just laughing yeah. and buzzing and having the crack off. It just sounds ideal. Isn't it a bizarre coincidence that they have a centre-back who could dominate now? And that's... Is it the first time they've had that since Tony Keady in the shape of Garrod McInerney? Yeah, there were a few players who were pretty decent. And I remember mm-hmm. at one stage, and I'll probably forget to name a few, but John Lee about 10 years ago, looked yeah. like, well, maybe it was more about seven or eight years ago, looked like he might be. But I'd say the fact that he was... He was a doctor, wasn't doctor, he? Yeah. yeah, that that might not help. But they've had a few good hurlers in there. There's no doubt about that. And Dahi Burke looked like he'd yeah. be the answer there before he moved to full back out of necessity. Tanyan looked good there for a while as well, but you always got the feeling that he was more of a forward. Yeah, I don't know if I ever thought he was going to be the answer there. Um, and to be honest, it was funny. When he was in the forward line, he was considered sort of a flaky forward. And then he went midfield and had that unbelievable year in 2012. But uh, look, Galway have the team this year. I mean, they have to do it. They beat Tipperary. I think in some ways, 
it's funny Cork could quite easily be, beat Waterford in a lot of ways but if I was Galway the team I'd be more worried about facing stylistically would actually be Waterford because they might choke out the forwards a little bit with the numbers whereas Cork will will leave space and uh, the size the power of that Galway team I think would deal with, with Cork a bit better Did you see Conor Whelan with his top off? What an impressive animal Yeah well I, I think I might have said on this before after the Offaly game at the Watford or the Galway players were sorry by the way Connor Whelan with his top off after the game last weekend I wasn't yeah. spying on or doing anything weird well I mean I wouldn't rule that out that either well, I but felt after the, need to clarify after the Offaly game in Leinster the Galway players were all walking past under the under the tunnel mm. and Aidan Hart I know I mentioned this before Aidan Hart is one of the smaller players ostensibly anyway he, he came along with his top off and he was absolutely stacked mm. so do you know I mean every one of those players as far as I can see are absolute monsters yeah and they have married it with skill as well Oh, they have a course shirt yeah. front but to back. M- I, like I actually, more so this year. I actually think that the most skillful things hurling-wise that we saw in the game the other day were from Tipperary. Like that point where Seamus Kendi did a stick pass up the line to Brendan Maher who killed it on his hurley straight back to Noel McGrath and over the bar. I think Tipperary have better hurlers than Galway but yeah. Galway's physicality closed them out eventually and they're so functionally and um, strong, this Galway team. And they have a lot of different options who can score. Like Conor Cooney kicked it off at the start. He was excellent. Conor Whelan, who should be hurler of the year based on current form, he was just such a threat throughout the whole way. And obviously yeah. Canning stepped up at the end as well. But there's so many good hurlers throughout the spine of the team and, and the limbs of the team as yeah. well that uh, it has to be their year, I think. This is Off The Ball's GAA podcast with Shane and Oshin with you. We know Galway are in the senior hurling final, but who will they be playing, Cork or Waterford? We're joined now by former Waterford star Owen Kelly to discuss it and Owen I guess um, everyone remembers your games in Thurless and on Off The Ball on Wednesday night Sean Oag and um, Paul Flynn were on talking about those matches the, the classic Munster Championship matches but people might forget you actually met quite frequently in Crow Park as well and I'm sure you have memories of that and I'm sure there was a dynamic there as well that was maybe different to Thurless uh, but before we get into it maybe there's there's one player more than most from the Cork side that Probably sticks out in your mind. From Murphy, keeping it inside to Nocton. He's got another chance. He's got a goal. In the 59th minute. What a substitution. As Cork shoot into the lead. Joe Dean feeding it in here to another man with a golden helmet. With a golden touch. And that's his first goal in Championship Hurling. Two touches for Carl Nocton. And he's got a goal and a point. That's what you call an impact sound. Remember Carl Nocton already won you. Yeah. Uh, he broke our hearts. Um, we, we, we came out one side, I suppose, one day on the winning side. Um, they came out a good few times on the winning side, I suppose. There were always close games in, in Crow Park against them. You know, there was always only a point or two in it. It was the hard to beat up there, you know, the, the kind of, they seemed to find another level when they got out of Munster back then when they got to Crow Park like and they won their all earns up there, you know, um, out of that. And what were the differences between the games in Semple and the games in Crow Park? I don't know, it's just hard to put your finger on. I suppose the, the games in Crow Park were a bit more cagey than the, the games in Munster. The, the Munster games were, they were high score and they were tit for tat and, the other ones were more cagey, and I suppose we just we didn't have that experience of winning a big game in Crow Park for a good few years, and it took us a while to get over the line against them up there, you know. And they were used to winning and used to winning all Ireland over them few years, so I suppose experience kind of killed us a bit, you know. We didn't have the experience of winning up there. 
Oh, it was threatening to do with the, the fields themselves because, you know, Thurless is often called a good field or whatever. And like Croke Park, uh, the ball seems to kind of deaden as soon as it hits the turf and maybe it kind of weaves a little bit, whatever you like, if it's flying along the ground. I've heard that from a few different players, including Paul Flynn. Did, does it, do the fields play differently? They do play differently. They did. They did. You know, the two fields are top class, you know, but um, I suppose you couldn't really put it down to that either. You know, it was just just a bit of luck, I suppose. Ken had a free, he was going over the bar down low, flicked it down, we lost by a pint. Um, there was only Carl Nocton coming on, got the goal, game over. There were small things and they just, they just, we just didn't get any kind of look up there, I suppose. But look, I say, I suppose you make your own look and Cork had that experience coming in off the line. I know Carl was only 19, I think, at the time. I was only reading it the other day. But like, they had, they just had that little bit of an edge on us when they got to Crow Park. We never feared them in Torless or whatever, but just when I got up there, there was something, I suppose, in the back of our heads looking back at the new that why can't we get over the line against this crowd, like, you know? Yeah, there was incredible rivalry between you two, and, and I presume there was a lot of respect. Uh, Sean Ogo Halpin spoke on, on Off the Ball the other night about how one time he wanted to absolutely deck Dan Shannon, and that was the 4 game when uh, Paul Flynn, Flynn scored the free, and, and Dan told, told them, I told you he was going to go for it, type thing. How did you feel about the Cork players when you were in the middle of these battles? I had great respect for him, you know, even now, like, I suppose, we met up on a few things, like, you know, and you'd always have great respect for the Cork lads, you know, they, they were a super team, you know, and they brought, that team really kind of brought it to professionalism, that way it's gone now, like, they, they changed totally, really, that Cork team, and you, you'd have to have respect for what they done, what they won, and the players that they had, numerous hurler years, all-stars won everything in the game like you don't only have respect for people like that you know what I mean and they were great they took their wins they took their losses the same way like you know and you'd have a beer with them after and they were, they were, they were the nicest fellas you'd meet on Ireland field you know and office and did you have any scraps with any of them in the way that uh, Sean Og was hoping to have one with Dan I know you can look like at the time you'd obviously not want to talk about them but now you know when it's all yeah, over and you're I all suppose, friends now I suppose <laughs> when Ronan Corn or Sean Ogg was hurling the ears off you, see, like, give him a slap, all right, but, look, that's, that was hurling then, like, you know, and, uh, there was man-on-man stuff, and, the better man won on the day, and, we came out, on the top of that some days, and they got out on top of it the other days, but, no, you could, you, I had only respect for them players, you know, and, how they dealt with things off the field as well, like, you know, they, they were looking after themselves, to go on and win things, and, I suppose they got a lot of criticism for it in some quarters, but, you'd only have to, respect for them lads you know um, it was talked about at the time but looking back at it now in the cold light of day how good was that half back line Gardner Curran O'Halpine because they were the platform and while they were playing together people said arguably it was the best half back line that the game had ever seen I'm not sure they get the credit for it now which is a pity but what do you think as someone who played against them oh they were savage like, they're all big strong men as well like, they're all well able to hold they could do that with a ball, they could score, they could make scores. If you got through them, then you were, you were meeting the Rock and Brian Murphy and someone else, you know, and Don Logue then on the goal. But that, that six-backs kind of gave them the platform for for winning matches, winning All-Irelands, winning Munster Championships. And they were a savage half-back then, you know, and I suppose the Kilkenny half-back then at the same time was as good as, as well. Like, you know, they, they were two brilliant half-back then, and... I suppose if, if there was sweep now, and on the corner sweep, he'd hit a hundred balls a game. Yeah, I remember speaking to um, 
Ryan O'Dwyer and he said I'd love to be a sweeper because they always get the all-stars now they're always on the ball um, speaking of sweepers and this game although Derek McGrath would never use the word sweeper and he says that no one in the squad would use the word sweeper what kind of game do you think it would be on Sunday style wise because we saw in the Munster Championship earlier in the year Waterford tried to come out of themselves a little bit and it didn't quite work out now there could be any number of reasons for that but do you think they'll they'll go back to that deep line defensive system uh, on yeah d- uh, I think it'll be very cagey first 40 45 minutes anyway definitely cagey uh, to me looking at from the outside in they don't look comfortable playing 15 on 15 they look more comfortable with the sweeper the full back line and goalkeeper look a lot more comfortable when Toy is sitting they just they just don't look comfortable playing 15 on 15 for some reason they're playing this is that sweeper system now with what three four years and they're so used to playing that way that's that's how they play that's how they know how to play and they'd, they'll have to play that way I think Sunday I really do and I think they can like, the thing with the Cork forward like, you see it like the Hog and things like that they're unreal when it's 15 on 15 but if they have no space any forward I tell you if you have no space you're going to get frustrated and I think if Waterford frustrate Cork on Sunday I think they'll win if you know you were kind of a, a bit of a maverick forward in your time, uh, and a lot of the players in that team would have been. Now you look at this current Watford team, and a lot of the time it's it's five players upfield, maybe even even fewer because so many people go around midfield. Do you think that you would enjoy playing in the forward line in this team, whereby you're generally outnumbered and it isn't just man on man? It's gone into club hall now, and it's driving me bananas. Yeah, you know, you're, you're standing there, you're full back behind you, you have maybe a centre back in front of you. 10 yards in front of you. You might have a corner back free as well. And it just, I, I, I'd crack up. You know, you, it's made for a back now, like, you know what I mean? You have... It's easier for a room. back now, isn't it? Yeah, so you'd see half the backs, you might even hit the ball in the whole game. You know, they're just, all they're doing is hand-passing the ball. And just, but it, it's easier now to play in the backs than it is the forwards, definitely. Because, like, I don't know who Watford will play full forward on Sunday, but he keeps up there on two or three men most of the game, like, Hmm. You know, and the kind of goals are going out of the game, and there's a lot easier for a back now. I think, anyway, look, I could be 100% wrong. You could have 10 fillers on by the end of the week on the show, and they might say, no, it's as easy playing for us. It's not. It couldn't be. Do you think that the reason that Waterford aren't playing with six up front and that they're trying to mind the backs so much is because they don't have the same quality of forwards as when they had the likes of yourself, Dan, and, and whoever else in the forward line, John Milan, of course, as well. Do you think that's the reason? Because the quality of forwards just aren't there in Watford anymore. I, I think when Derek took over the team, in fairness to him, the team was in huge transition, yeah. massive transition. All them players were gone, or at the end of their career. And he had a group of young players, and he started off with this um, sweeper um, idea and it worked for them. Do you know, like they're, going, they're, going, they're in that third all Ireland semi final in a row from a team that was basically Lodi Umphless. And they're so used to playing that way and they play it well that it's hard to change it now. You know, yeah. you'd, you'd have to go through nearly a whole national league. You'd nearly want 18 months to go back 15 on 15. Yeah. I think uh, the way the game has gone. But do they have the uh, pace in that forward line or the, the goal threat even to play six up front uh, and think that this team will get enough scores? I do, honestly. Do. Look, I, we worked with Dylan 21 last year and this year and the quality that they have is frightening. Like Paddy Corn, the two Bennett's, Austin, 
they get goals out of any, anything, like you know. And I, I, I do think that the, the quality is there. Are they still a bit young? Is that what he's worried about? I don't know. I don't know what goes on in the camp. Um, it, it does he is he having full trust in his players that he's fifteen? Rarely changes, bar one or two maybe, and like it could be that, like you know, yeah. he, he could, he just, he, he might be just so loyal to the starting fifteen that he feels, but he might just start one of the Bennets. He won't start Tuben and Paddy and Austin, like the four young lads to start yeah. in a forward line where you have Brick and Moore probably in it as well, and then you've the likes of Morris who misses out, like you know, so. It's hard to see. I, I think the players are there. Definitely they are, they are to score goals, score points, open Holland. We had it last year. <clears throat> we didn't really have it this year, I suppose, as much. But we did have a lot of quality forwards. But the forwards last year that were there were second to none, obviously, in under 21 grade. Now it is a huge, massive step up. And the way the game has gone, everyone was playing the sweeper. Even in some games, two sweepers, you know? Yeah. Um, you mentioned Ty DeBurka a little bit earlier on. Now, as we speak, he is suspended. He's got his DRA hearing tonight. That's Thursday night. So we're not sure if he'll be available. But if he's not, how big a loss is that for Waterford? And what did they, what do they do? They find another sweeper because, uh, look, being honest, it was the worst red card I've seen in a long time. Like, there's no way to catch him. And that's yeah. if it was a car clad, I'd say the same thing. It was it was a terrible red card. He he won't even look like a chap. So if he's gone, I I think it, it should be overturned tonight. It probably won't be. Um, Dara Fives. It has to be Dara. Yeah, he seems yeah. the most likely. He's got all the hurling. I mean, Philip Mahoney's mentioned too, and and he's a very good player. But I think he's a really good stopper. Dara Fives seems the most natural hurler he have back there. Yeah, no. Philip and Philip plays a lot with Ballygona. Now I know it's different level again, but he plays it very well. He's very cute horror, very clever horror in that sitting role. It might suit him. You don't know what they'll do if, like, you rob Peter to play Paul and put Austin back there. Yeah. You can't really. He's getting you four or five pints probably in the forward line a game there. You know, if if you had. We only spoke about if he if he took the gamble with a couple of the young lads to put him in the forward line, I'd play Austin centre back. Uh, well, sweeper mm. number six, whatever they call it now. But he has more hurling than anyone in the country, really. And if, like we, I remember Tip got in top of us in the Munster final last year, twenty one, and we put Conor Prunty back as man marking, and Austin went to sweeper, and the game was he won the game on his own then. From there, like you know, he can read the game brilliant. To me, he's the best player to play that when Tigers don't play. But do you take him out of forward lines? There are big questions, but you probably don't. Yeah. Even if Tig does become available, because we've seen in the past the DRA have been quite unpredictable in in what decision they can make. So even if he does become available, does that still upset Waterford? Because you're in a situation, I guess, as a management team that you're not quite sure what plan to implement because you're not quite sure who you have. In fairness to Derek, he, he probably has, and has, uh, he's gone over this probably since 
the Wexford game. Look, lads, if five players, this is the way we play. If we don't, this is how the way we play. They'll have that well and truly, I think, done that how they're going to play and which way they're going to play if he plays or don't play. I couldn't see it being too much of a problem. Then again, you have players in the back of their head, is he going to play, is he not going to play, what are we going There's a tough one to call. It probably... It'll probably nearly work in their favour now if we don't, actually. Because uh, they probably have a plan in place with training that an A versus B team, the Tide, don't play in the A, and they're playing. So yeah, it's, a, it's a tough one to call, like, you know. Just on about um, Derek McGrath himself, he's he's one of these unbelievably engaging characters who who offers himself up to the media pretty readily. And, you know, he's just, he's a person that uh, I think a lot of people in the media, he, they want to see him do well because he gives so much and he speaks so openly. Can you tell us about uh, your experiences of Derek the man or your experiences of him, even from the club scene, if you've played against him a few times? I know he was a bit of an underage prodigy. Yeah, I wouldn't really know the chap, and that's not dodging the question. I, do, I don't really know the chap. Yeah. Um, met him a couple of times at underage games. He's young fellas, around the same age as my oldest. Um, he, he's very quiet when you meet him, kind of like that. He wouldn't say a whole lot. Club level didn't really have a whole lot of matches against him. I, I don't really know the chap. That's not yeah. dodging the question. Yeah. Um, the lads that are there at the minute now would swim to America for him and that's the way it should be with a manager you know but um, I, I don't really know the chap yeah, and, I, and I get what you mean Owen because even though I'm from the other end of the county the west end of the county I wouldn't have known too much about Derek before he took over De La Salle I was aware of what he was doing in the school and I remember his name from panels but I wouldn't actually say I knew him and I wouldn't say he was kind of widely widely known hurling people would have known him through that but I get what you're saying um, before we go we'll get your prediction but I'll give you two goals at this the first is predict what you think will happen if Waterford do have Tyke uh, as in who wins the as match in, yeah who wins the match yeah. what I think Waterford will okay and if they don't have Tyke they'll win Oh, I like that. Really, yeah. It's good confidence. I, 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 and, and it so reminds me of 2008. Is that like tip of beatings? But if they'd won the league, they'd won Munster. We didn't have a hope in Blue Hell of beating. And you, you and went about six points to nil or six points to one up. You know, really shocked yeah. tip that day, didn't you? Yeah, we shocked them at the start. Milan was flying. He got a couple of points. We were firing balls off from everywhere, and we were hurting really well. And but the lead up to that, the sense in the county was. These fellas are going to catch tip on Sunday. And it bred into the team, and it's, there's the same sort of atmosphere more at the minute that, yeah, they're actually going to catch. Like, what, Cock will beat more for three times this year. It's very hard to beat a team four times. It happened up so many times, up going up to an Ireland semi final, quarter final, we've had to beat this team already. Limerick, no seven, perfect example. We had beaten them in the Munster final, we had them in an Ireland semi final. And to a team in the back of his head, I think they. They just take a small bit lightly. Really, yeah? And I, th- I, I think, I have a funny feeling with Waffle on Sunday. I have a funny feeling they could win on Sunday. Really? And and where do you think the, the scores are going to come from? Like, uh, and are you going to be able to shut Cork down? I think they'll shut them down more so than they did in the semi-final. Um, you're, you're hoping Austin gets four or five points from play. Manny will get his 10 or 11 frees. <coughs> yeah. And then you need a couple of players to chip in with two points each. Need a goal. That's the, the, that is what worries me. 
is just you'd love to see us just getting get two goals. If if Wolves get two goals on Sunday, they'll win the match. Because Owen, I think they'll shut down Cork so much that Cork won't be able to breed. Owen, really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on Off the Balls GA podcast. No problem. Have a good day, lads. This is Off the Balls GA podcast, as always, brought to you by Board Gosh Energy, proud sponsors of the All Ireland Senior Hurling Championship. Follow hashtag Hurling to the core. Now, Owen Kelly mentioned it there, Waterford and their game against Cork a couple of months ago in the championship. The Dacia went into that after an 11-week layoff, which had to have an effect. And that, that is something that Waterford manager Derek McGrath spoke to WLR Radio about a couple of weeks back. We had an 11-week gap, or we had a 7-week gap in terms of our preparation. That, was, that wasn't that was by choice, that's why what people say, you know, in terms of going out of the league early. The guys had two weeks of, of club championships, so the cocooning of players was going to happen anyway because the 7-week run-in was a 7-week run-in because there was going to be no championship game given the fact that we were in the semi-final already. What I would look back on forcefully and say is that I would feel that we never ever in our lives, in my four years anyway involved, prepared as well as we did for the Cork game in terms of our training camp. And I would wholeheartedly, you know, kind of stand over those particular claims. I, I, I left Fota Island on the Sunday morning to go to, I can't remember what match was on that day, I think there was a particular match, I think Clare were playing Limerick that day. So I left on my own from Fota and I kind of just left with a sense of satisfaction that, geez, we're really ready for this game. So now, indirectly, I think, between the two weeks then before the game then or the ten days before the game, I think we actually lent on the fact that we'd gone so well in Forda and mm. we almost kind of overtalked it to the fact that we became ingrained that we felt we had nothing to do then only turn up on the field. So we mm. kind of said to ourselves a lot of our team talks were, Jesus lads, if we can reproduce what we did in yeah. Forda. Yeah. So yeah. psychologically we almost played the match in Forda. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think the general consensus was from the lads to to even club members to their friends and family was Jesus the camp was unbelievable or, you know everything is quiet in the camp we didn't we took a deliberate not a deliberate but we took a very I suppose um, calculated approach with the media in that we were very much under the radar which irks people at times as well you know in terms of you can just be what's coming out nothing coming out of the water camp so therefore the rumour mill goes into full goes into full flow like so sometimes you're damned if you do damned if you don't well, so nature abhors a vacuum and they're going to rise yeah, 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 yeah so yeah, I, I think, I think yeah. that, that, that was the approach in terms of in terms of it's easy say no like it's easy for me to say oh yeah played off the two week gap play, or one week gap played Kilkenny two yeah, week yeah. gap played Kilkenny yeah, yeah. or played Wexford, play Wexford the then, momentum yeah. was built up yeah, yeah. But I could be sitting here on Monday week or, or a Monday two weeks and we could be talking about Cork having beaten us and Cork had dealt with that seven week gap Off the Balls GA podcast and that was Derek McGrath the Waterford manager speaking to Eamon Keane of WLR it's interesting to listen to that in the context of them playing Cork this week because obviously they have not been on an 11-week layoff and they have learned the lessons of the prep for the first Cork game. Do you know there's um, there's quite there's a, a warped sort of parallel with the last time that Waterford won the All-Ireland, which was, of course, as you'll remember, in 1959. Well, I, I don't remember it. Yeah. I know the year. I don't but, remember it. But back that, that year, yeah. they were level with Kilkenny after 70 minutes and came through. They beat Cork and they beat Galway. Galway, of course, being in their first year in Munster at the time, that failed experiment. So maybe this is your year. You're the Watford man here. Now, so you put, know what? put away your your okay. your presenter's hat for a second mm-hmm. or your cans and tell us, where will Watford win this Firstly, game? if a Watford person said what you just said to me there, I'd say, stop trying to make us sound like Mayo fans, trying to link everything back to 51. They're desperate for it. You haven't won in All-Ireland not because you're cursed. It's because you haven't been good enough. Joe, They've been actually, close, but 
but they haven't been good enough. They've been robbed, but ultimately, they haven't been good enough. Mm. Do you know so your uh, famine is actually exactly twice as long as Galway's? They're 29 years and you're 58 years, and yeah. I know my maths aren't bad there. My sums are yeah. adding up. But uh, yeah, go on, you were saying. I'm saying those things have absolutely no relevance. Okay. There are interesting no relevance, lines. But where are they yeah. going to win the game? Where are Waterford going to win this game? For you? For me, they're going to close Cork down. Park Mahoney's going to shoot the lights out. He's going to own Crow Park. Mar Shanahan is going to win primary possession if he starts. Even if he doesn't, he'll come on and finish off Cork. Cork, the thing is, right? Cork have been very good so far this season. And you're asking me this in the context of being a Waterford man rather mm-hmm. than being a off-the-ball presenter, oh, stroke reporter. So this is this this is my view as a Waterford fan. Um, Cork have been excellent so far, right? They won the Munster title, fair play to them. But when they played Tip, Tip were slightly off. Not far off, but slightly off. Have been all but year. When well, they played yeah. Waterford, we didn't implement what I would say our best system. She was didn't stuck play to the well. ground as well. Exactly. Yeah. The 11 week layoff didn't uh, help. Claire, Claire it anyway. as we've seen this year just unfortunately couldn't finish a dinner no they're just not a and, great and, team and I know that sounds like I'm kicking them I'm actually complimenting them because they've so much more in them they're an than what we team. saw no they're no, I, I, you're, you're right but they could be more than average the results they have achieved since 2013 have been average at best is what I would say but and I still before. think but 2013 I still, was a fluke what? it yeah. wasn't a fluke you were saying yeah. you don't fluke all Ireland's yeah sure you don't but I would say that we can shut Cork down and we can get enough scores. Okay. And Owen Kelly said, if we score two goals, we'll win it. I'm not sure we'll get two goals, but I think we'll get enough points and we'll yeah. stop Cork. What will be interesting to see is the matchups, and it's always the matchups that are interesting because uh, Michael Brick Walsh went on Willie Deverick's and they were isolated together um, in the quarterfinal against mm. Wexford. That resulted in five of the first eight scores for Watford through him winning free his assistant and scoring one beauty over the shoulder, which I'm not sure we thought Brick had it in it. But by Jez, he did it. And it would have been six uh, scores of the first nine had Park Mahoney tapped over a free that he'd have expected to get. Um, are there matchups that you expect to see? I, I expect to see Austin Gleeson centre forward and roaming. Will someone try and do a match with O'Hanlon and stick with him, which may or may not work? Do Cork want to destabilise that? But who defense? do you put on him? Like well, and Cork a, traditionally. Do you want someone like Mark Coleman sticking, trying to stick with him? Do you want to say, I, I, I wouldn't see Mark Ellis or Christopher Joyce as the lads to do it? I don't think you want to bring. They tend Mark to anchor Cole. in their positions, yeah. yeah. And I don't. If I would want Mark Coleman facing the ball from wing back, you put, I think let him off and yeah. hope that the collective uh, can somehow deal with him enough. And you want to keep yeah. that do three you, and three at the back. Do you consider putting someone maybe like okay? I'm I'm actually going to argue against my own argument. Do you consider putting someone like Bill Cooper on him? He's who, the one who, that would who, make sense, isn't it? Yeah, because but I don't think so. Because he's you know he's solid enough, but he wouldn't create as much exam- for example as as Dara Fitzgibbon. So you want to give him as much freedom as he possibly yeah. can, especially in Crow Park with all the room. Granted, it's probably not that much bigger than a normal pitch, but it seems that that way. Um, so is that a potential matchup? Um, I would say. I can understand why you'd say it, but I just wouldn't see it happening. I think they'll say when he comes into the half-forward line, you're on him, whoever is designated. If he's centre-forward, Mark Ellis, you're on him. If he travels further out the field, we know that Luke Mead and uh, the other wing forward, who's Shane, Shane Kingston, Kingston. Mm-hmm. they're going to be out around the middle eight anyway. And I think they're going to say, we're going to have a group work ethic here and we'll close him down. He will get a couple of scores. We know that. And he'll probably get a couple of undefendable scores as well. But it could be like in 2014 in that replay. You know, he'd scored the brilliant goal in the drawn game in 2014 in his debut. And then he hit, I think it was something like six wides 
in the replay. I'm not 100% sure, but I took it down at the time and I, remember, I remarked that it was quite high. Uh, is he going to get enough on the day? Is he going to score enough? Now, you'd love to see him set it forward, get as much ball on top of him as possible. Maybe even see... Will Mark Coleman tell on his what, first game in Croke Park? Will Mark Coleman like puckouts between him and Austin? I tell Gleason? you what, this Sunday, Austin Gleeson is going to take the deeds of Croke Park because he's going to own that field. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he needs. Um, you know, he's hurler the year last year. He showed sign. He's shown signs in a couple of the mm. games this year, but this is a time, especially with mm. all the distraction of Tyg de Borca. I think it would be a great game for Austin Gleeson to show his mettle again. Because they need him more so than ever because I don't think the Watford forwards are good enough without Gleeson shooting the lights out. And I think you've got a point there. And the way I've been talking, you'd swear I didn't rate Cork at all. Of course I do. Because I think Dara Fitzgibbon has the potential to be as good as Austin Gleeson. Wow, and that's I think quite a claim. I just love watching that guy play. <clears throat> and look how much the under-21s missed him in that final against Limerick. Now, yeah. I know it's under-21. And, and there were more people missing than just him as well. Yeah, okay, that's, yeah. that's absolutely correct. Uh, Luke Mead was missing as well mm, that night, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, and that was a big loss. But I just think he can bulldoze through tackles, even though he's only 19. Um, you know, he's got the skills, he can run, he can move, he can do a lot of the stuff that Austin Gleeson can. And he seems to be very much a midfielder. Whereas with Austin, we're still debating what his best position is. But with Dara Fitzgibbon, I think it's widely accepted. And it looks to me, granted early in his career, like he's a midfielder. Yeah. The, the thing about and will own midfield for Cork for many years. Yeah, the thing is, midfield can be bypassed in an awful lot of games. So. Yeah. Whereas he stood out before, you just you never know. I mean, mm. Jamie Barron is an but, unbelievable but the way player. Waterford but midfield played, didn't really happen for him the last yeah, day. Yeah, the way so. Waterford played midfield would be very much a, a key part of the game on, yeah. on Sunday. You would hope for Waterford's sake that they're not driving stupid wides from 90 yeah. yards and bypassing their own midfield and half forward line. Uh, the most obvious thing to talk about here is that Cork forward line. Oh, and yeah. I think we saw in the league match in, in March, and I know Owen referenced uh, games earlier this year, but it was the first time that we saw Cork are going to play with those withdrawn wing forwards and you're going to have Cadigan, Horgan and Seamus Harnady inside. And so hold on a second, Conor when everyone else does it, him. it's a sweeper. When Cork do it, it's a withdrawn wing forward. Yeah, I, I no, but the, the sweeper suggests an extra player going back okay. into defence. These guys drop back when needed. Midfield. They're, They're not there all the time. Okay. But like as well, with, with your two wing forwards dropping deep into midfield and working up and down a bit like Gaelic football wing forwards. <sighs> It leaves that space, and the reason it's so effective is it leaves space for Lahan. Uh, in f- w- there's t- fifty yards either side of him. If he gets that matchup, like best of luck to anyone trying to keep it into him. And it also means that the Cork players out the field in the middle eight are going to pop ball in front of Cadigan, Horgan, and Seamus Harnady, and they've got such speed that if you knock nice ball in front yeah. of them, it's, it's a good it's a good um, Watford full back line, but. If good ball goes in, yeah. Shane Fives, Barry Coughlin and Noel Connors are going to have it all to And do. if Harnady clicks, because again, I don't think we've seen the best of him this summer. Mm. He's worked hard. He's a good hand on him as well. Yeah, exactly. And he's strong. He can bulldoze through tackles. Mm. I know I'm using that word an awful lot, but yeah. it's it's something you see an awful lot of these players do. And I, I think Harnady has had, I don't want to say quiet, because that sounds like I'm saying he hasn't played well. He has, but he hasn't, um, he hasn't hit the heights I think he can this mm. summer yet. Well, he's capable. I yeah. don't know if he'll have the room to make yeah. it pay constantly, but there, a few balls will go in on top of him. Yeah, is it just that he capable. hasn't had the room and he's essentially sacrificed ah, well, himself like this year so far? Against, yeah. Like he's played well, like you say, he's played well. He would have yeah. had the room again in, in a but few But do you think he's games. got more in him? 
Yeah, definitely. Jeez, yeah. he could score a hat trick. Yeah, you, you never know. And, and Cadigan and, as well can shoot from out wide. Yeah, and, yeah. and they've got lads to come in as well, like Sir Michael Cahalan and Luke O'Farrell. So they have no end. Cork have no end of attacking options in the back line. Watford probably won't test them out enough. There isn't enough pace in that forward mm. line. Now they do have Patrick Kerr and Colin Dunford and uh, Brian O'Halloran and Bennett. And, uh, Brian yeah. generally comes in, but these lads generally like how often have we seen them come in and score yeah. a couple of goals? But very rarely. And it's yeah. f- like I know. Um, Derek McGrath said that he went into his back cave as he referred to it as and that he's worked out that Waterford has scored more goals this year than in the last number of years but you know they still do not score it's not free-flowing goal scoring like yeah, Tipperary or Kilkenny in their pomp and not example. to bat against my own county but when you think of it the goal against Cork in the Munster Championship was a messy goal yeah it was rotten and, and, and the goal against Wexford there was a lot of fortune about that. Actually, Moran didn't even catch the connection particularly well, mm. and it went it went between the keeper's legs. Yeah, but I suppose yeah. they're forcing the error from the other team, which yeah. of course a goal could come that way again. Yeah. But nothing uh, wrong with the, the four goals against Kilkenny. Yeah, in the, yeah, two of them in extra time, of course. Um, but Cork looked like scoring three or four goals that day in mm. in the Munster and and didn't put them away. Um, yeah, I suppose. As as we speak, we still don't know the outcome of the Tyke de Borca thing. Yeah. And if he was starting and didn't have this distraction, I'd probably be going for Watford here because I think it's going to be very hard for Cork to back up what they've already done. And we saw how they collapsed in 2014 against yeah, Tip. And he'd have the ten room the against Cork, players. wouldn't he? Because it's 10 of the same yeah. players from the 2014 semi-final from Cork. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot to think that the new young players who are all 19 and 20 can completely change what happened a few years ago, especially against the Watford team who've played... Is it four semi-finals in that time since? It, well, it's the third semi-final in a row. Yeah, and they had a replay last yeah. year, so, so this will be a fourth. So, um, yeah, it, it's kind of on a knife edge a little bit. Yeah, well, this should be a fantastic advertisement for hurling. Last week's semi-final, even though quality-wise it wasn't amazing, but it was so tense and it had such a dramatic finish, it was a great advertisement for hurling. But the best advertisement for hurling oh, yeah. of all was the four football quarterfinals. Yeah, and we got... Uh, Jesus. Yeah, it was a real horror show. It was horrific. I was in Croke Park for the Tyrone um, Armagh Dublin Monaghan doubleheader. By oh, God. God. Oh, By I God. looked over at you at one stage and I, I honestly thought you were crying. Yeah. I actually wanted to go over and hold you. You looked a bit sad. It was awful stuff. But I was yeah. holding Monaghan fans like, instead. They needed it more. You wanted to go down and burst those footballs and say, oh, lads, stop. come on. This is just... I mean, the, like Tyrone are brilliant. Like, they are brilliant. It's not their fault that Armagh aren't yeah. able to keep into It's them. not the winner's fault. And it's not Monaghan's yeah. fault that they're not able to keep into Dublin. I did think Monaghan didn't... They defended in huge numbers, but mm. when they came out with the ball, I never felt that they attacked like a team. because They looked so, heavy-legged because they, they've had a tough old road. Yeah, to yeah, that's true, because they'd only played one game stage, fewer yeah. than, than Mayo, who, and everyone was talking about the miles on the clock. We'll come back to that <laughs> in a second. I said that but, before the game on mm. air. Oh, I think Roscommon might catch Mayo because they're a yeah, bit tired. Well, I feel kind of like an idiot now. Yeah, not saying, the first time, of course. I I did, to be fair to myself, <laughs> tweet that I, I didn't really get this miles on the clock thing. Um, I'll come back to that in a second, but just with Monaghan, every time they came out with the ball, a player was left in isolation and they ended up getting turned over. If you don't commit bodies to attack mm. when you have the ball, how are you going to score enough? You won't, and that's why they had such a... I mean, it was yeah. never a game, was it? Now, I know people said, oh, the Super 8 is going to be terrible, but... I don't buy into that because no because be because when Dublin go to Hyde Park or when Dublin go to Clonus I think these teams might have a bit more of a chance plus it'll be a great footballing day for the people of that county I mean I think if Dublin 
or Tyrone go to somewhere they don't normally go to that's actually a good day for football in that county and you can take benefits from it like when Kerry played in Ennis earlier in the championship Clare weren't embarrassed they actually did okay in that game and I think it was good for the Clare team good for football in that county and like look at it this way people didn't take into consideration that on the first day of Mayo Roscommon because I heard an awful lot of it after Mayo Roscommon the replay oh god the Super 8s is going to be horrible well that would have been a draw the first day you wouldn't have had a replay because yeah. the Super 8s works as a kind of a league system yeah I think that when it comes to it we're going to have games where like yeah. let's say Dublin play Mayo in their uh, their group of four mm. that they'll play each other knowing that they'll most likely beat whatever, whatever other two teams are yeah. in that group so their game won't be yeah. do or die. But is that not the case in say, most major competitions? That in most Champions League groups, you know who the two are that yeah, will go and, through. And everyone talks about horrendously boring the Champions League. They still watch stage. it, though, Shane. Yeah, like it still gets huge TV audience. It's still, it's still interesting. Mm, yeah. Teams still fight to get into the yeah, but groups it comes of four back in the, to the Champions whole point League. That there's a better way to do it. Just yeah. because someplace else does something and that's mildly interesting, let's let us do something mildly interesting. Yeah. Anyway, look, the point I was going to say is we're going to end up with group stages where Kerry win their first two games and someone like a Ross Common lose their first two games. So what do we have at the end of the group? A dead rubber game. Mm. Our two teams both win their first two games dead rubber game at the end of it and it's going to be skewed because someone else in the other game will need a result and I just don't think it's the, it's the right thing but just, to, just uh, to talk about Mayo and not get bogged down in structures for once because I, I know we love that um, the thing with Mayo I could never fully understand the miles on the clock theory yeah. and after the game I sat down and uh, boringly did a I, I did a Derek McGrath and went all nerd in the back cave and I worked out if you threw Lee Keegan back into the team for just to pick an example, Chris Barrett, who yeah. wouldn't be too different in terms of age. And I worked out the average age of the starting outfield players for Mayo in what I expect will start in the All-Ireland semi-final against Kerry. What do you think the average age is? 26. It's 25. So if, yeah. if Mayo are too old... What? And don't now there's a difference. The there's a difference players between old and miles on the clock. Yeah, but sure, as Indiana Jones once said, it ain't the age, it's the mileage. Yeah, but look, players love playing games. Yeah. And if you play 20 games in a year, you play 15 games a year. Does that mean all of a sudden, you know, and I'm talking between club and, and county, whatever. Does it make that much of a difference? No, it's can you get the appetite back to keep going? And we've seen Mayo play with unbelievable energy against Roscommon. So they might lose to Kerry because they're not as good as them. But I won't think it'll be because they've miles on the clock. And without Lee Keegan, it was good that they stepped up without Lee Keegan. Yeah. Other lads realised, geez, I have to be that old player yeah. with vim and vigour like I used to be and look at Lee Ke- or sorry Keith Higgins unbelievable again scores one sets up another yeah. a wasted hurler uh, Colin Boyle playing with the same fire yeah. and they don't take him off after 50 minutes this time and a, lo- a lot of their players stepped up and with Keegan coming back into the team like he only had a bit of a foot infection he would have been fine to come on if they needed him sure all of a sudden Mayor top we're back to a top four when people were myopically talking about a top three and you've got me thinking about Keith Higgins, the hurler now, and what could have happened if he played for Galway. Uh, okay, well, that's if he wanted to do that. I'm sure if he wanted to, he could have. And I'm sure no one would have had, a, had any issue if he'd moved to Galway and wanted to play at the very top grade. I mean, he was fantastic for Mayo when he's played over the years. Anyway, it is a hurling weekend this weekend. Cork taking on Waterford in the All-Ireland semi-final this Sunday at 3.30. Tommy Walsh will be watching that game for off the ball across the afternoon. Of course, they'll have two live Premier League games as well, including Newcastle against Spurs and Manchester United against West Ham, if that's the code that you're into. Uh, The football semi-final starting next weekend. Lots and lots 
on that on off the ball coming up uh, during the week and uh, one thing I forgot to mention actually the minor semi-final which is uh, Dublin against Cork this Sunday as well that should be pretty interesting as always GAA on News Talk brought to you by Bordgosh Energy official electricity partners to the GAA follow hashtag hurling to the core for all the senior hurling championship action Shane thank you very much pleasure as always Ocean. and how can people send their abuse to you at Shane Saint and you can Twitter. get me uh, thank you very much and you can get me on at Oshin Langan uh, enjoy the hurling weekend we'll talk to you next week bye bye